In the third episode of season three, Judy shares the immigrant story, one that if you're an immigrant yourself or are children of immigrants, that we know all too well. It's about the burden of double consciousness when you live in one place, but your heart resides in another. I hope you all enjoy Passing Through 30, told live by the radiant, eloquent Judy. I turned 31 last month. This time last year, I'd been seeing Kevin for three months exactly. We met on OkCupid. He had a long, wordy profile. By the time I reached his, I'd looked through so many faces that it felt a lot more like online shopping. In one photo, Kevin wore a red flannel shirt, smiling in that big gap tooth way he does, and I felt a fondness for him. I usually carried out my OkCupid swiping on my tiny IKEA love seat, cramming my body onto it so I felt hugged. It was my first time living alone, and though I felt bruised from a three-month-long relationship with a narcissistic Gambian man, I was recuperating. <laughs> for all my usual self-loathing, I'd been surprised that the narcissist wasn't pleased with me and didn't find me good enough. It was a jarring experience. I took pride in my ability to please people, and this guy was never pleased. Kevin and I are married now. It's been confusing feeling this content when I'm used to fielding possible disasters and disappointments, money troubles mostly, and intensely missing my family, who are all still in Swaziland, particularly my mom and my little sister Tashi. Whew. <laughs> Kevin came with me to visit my family in Swaziland this past November. This was after long talks in the park during our lunch breaks in Midtown, sitting under the trees as the weather turned colder. We spoke carefully and in earnest about what we wanted, neither one of us wanting the other to feel trapped. I was on an H-1B work visa that was due to expire the following April, and together we painstakingly decided we would get married. The back and forth was similar to one you have when politely trying to decide on a restaurant with a stranger and getting nowhere because no one wants to be the one to make the final decision. Kevin was a bit of a revelation to me. I knew he was a good egg when my therapist, Mona, seemed happy with my choice, especially after the narcissist. This was great progress. <laughs> I started seeing Mona more out of curiosity and slight necessity. And I cried a lot in therapy, as ashamed as I was to cry always apologizing and feeling weak when I did. I truly felt like I was wasting this woman's time, but I also felt desperately needy. Mona specializes in PTSD therapy for veterans, and here I was complaining about what felt like everyday things. But all that to say, when Mona approved of Kevin, it really encouraged me. She seemed really pleased. Having Kevin in Swaziland felt like a dream. I turned into a more obedient girlfriend while there, serving him milky tea almost every night before we settled in to watch that evening's lineup of South African soapies, Kevin cracking jokes at all the various dramatic scenarios, and my mom and Tashi giggling, clearly tickled by this new man in our lives. It felt right having him there. When we got back to New York, we slowly moved in together to an apartment in Harlem. Those first couple weeks back, I was in a cloud, reeling a little bit from the trip home. It felt empty in New York, 
and I, I missed the smell of fresh, earthy dust in the air. I'd really forgotten what life at home was like. My dad is a white man, and he's only about as German as the blood in his veins. He seems to carry around his marriage like a heavy bag he has to drag around with him. My mom is Swazi, and she got pregnant with my little sister Tashi when I was seven, right after my dad's vasectomy. Yeah. <laughs> it's very awkward. <laughs> Legal abortions aren't an option in Swaziland, and even if they were, my mom's sensibilities wouldn't really allow for this, thankfully because Tashi is my current compass for love and compassion. Tashi giggles a lot, especially when she's telling you a story. She is sincere and a true empath. And best of all, she has an impeccable sense of humor and laughs easily and shyly. Seeing my mom, dad, and Tashi living together was hard. All my dad's softness when it comes to me disappears around my mom and sister turning the mood tense whenever money is needed, or really any request is made of him. He was impatient around them, ready to blame or shake his head at any new de development. Now, I'm a real daddy's girl. But all my talks in therapy, and then briefly dating that narcissist who was so easily cruel to me, make me resentful of my father. But it's all mixed with a great love and affection for him. The man who read to me every single night when I was little, is also the cause of many tears and hurt feelings. It was hard watching my mom try and try to please him, tiptoeing around him, looking for his approval, searching for a sign of affection. It broke my heart to watch her like that. Back in New York, fresh into 2019, something woke me up at 6 a.m. and my back was aching from the firm new mattress Kevin bought. I looked over at my phone to see a message on WhatsApp from Tashi asking me to call. Deep, deep dread set in. Is someone sick? I slipped out of bed, leaving Kevin sleeping in that steady way he does. Most men I've slept next to leave me feeling lonely when they fall asleep, as though the show is over and I need to come back tomorrow. Kevin somehow manages to make me feel comfort even when he's sleeping. I pull on sweatpants I'd just got in the mail, part of a small shopping spree I allowed myself. You all know 70% off is hard to deny. <laughs> Walking out the bedroom, I call Tashi back, and I can immediately tell that something is wrong. Ish, Dad never bought any food. There's leftovers from the weekend, just beef, but that's all we've been eating all week. Putting on my big sister hat, I try to get to the bottom of it. My mom had teamed up with her brother, Mzwembi, to slaughter a cow and take it to her grandmother's homestead where she grew up. Having lost touch with a lot of the people there, she wanted to reintroduce herself back into the community. My dad had gone with her and enjoyed his time, sitting on a dried mud floor, watching young men drunkenly dance in the traditional Swazi way. There had been plenty of leftover beef, which was what was in the freezer at home. My mom doesn't have an income. My, my dad usually gives her about $15 a day to do food shopping for the house, an amount only someone who hasn't tried to shop for a household would give. Because of the, the past weekend's festivities, he saw it fit not to give her any money that week. So there was no food, just beef. After listening to the story, 
Tashi hiccuping from crying, me telling her I would send money over and not to worry. We hung up. I felt a deep ache that rose in my chest. Walking back into the bedroom, I remembered my new sweatpants, soft and light gray. How could I be so frivolous? Tashi had been eating straight beef all week, and I went off and bought a whole bunch of loungewear. I couldn't bear it. My whole life felt frivolous. I hadn't noticed that Kevin was awake and felt myself undo when he asked me what was up. Crawling back into the bed, I told him what had happened. We talked and he cuddled me and told me, it's okay that I'd spent money on sweaters. I didn't know people were going hungry. That was a hard morning, but somehow I felt closer to my mom and Tashi, knowing that I was sharing in some type of misery with them. It's April now. And freshly 31, I still don't know how to navigate living so far from these pieces of my heart. I don't know what to do about my dad, or if it's for me to do about. But in the meantime, in my end of the world, summer is coming up. And things always seem to feel better in the summertime. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the third episode of season three. You can find more from Judy on Instagram at Judes Matutes, that's J-U-D-S-M-A-T-U-D-S, and on her website, www.judynxr.com. And as always, every single like, comment, review, and share means the world for this podcast. I've been reading your reviews, and seriously, I said it makes me big emotional, but it really, really touches my heart that you guys take the time to leave those. Thank you again. We will see you next week for episode four.